All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Boca Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Holritz. It's good to have you here with me today. It's a little bit dark in the background. We've had some beautiful, beautiful sunny weather as of late, and it suddenly just got cloudy and kind of rainy today. So uh, excuse the darker background today, but... Um, We'll make up for it, I promise. Our guest actually has this fancy background. I'm going to introduce you here in just a second. Before I do, just a couple of housekeeping notes. Number one, if you're listening to the audio version of this after the fact, keep in mind that we do live stream every single Boca Podcast episode now. If you go to youtube.com slash Boca Podcast, subscribe there, turn on notifications. Um, Not only will you be able to see the live streams, but also keep up with the announcements for the upcoming live streams. You can also follow us on Instagram at Boca, B-O-K-E-H podcast and do the same thing there. And if you are here today, part of the live stream and want to ask questions because we've got a really fascinating topic, please don't be shy and do that. I see we've got a number of people logging on already. Please don't be shy. Ask questions, comment. You can send us funny emojis if you want to, uh, but be part of the conversation. Let's make this a group conversation and it makes it all the better and you get to benefit from it at the end of the day as well. And then just last quick note, something that, of course, I've promised our audience, our community for a long time now, which is that I'll make a a donation to Charity Water before every single episode of the Boca podcast. You see a little receipt I popped up on the screen there just for proof. But I do this really ultimately not only for accountability for my own sake, but ultimately a reminder for our community at large. Look for opportunities to give back. One of our guests um, a little while back, Sean Lee, really pushed me in this regard, and I, I took his lead. And uh, I think we should all look for opportunities, even if it's small donations, like the one I just shared, to, to give back to local community, to international or national organizations. A little can go a long way. And I just want to leave that there. All right. Enough of the, the introduction and monologue now. I want to introduce our guest for today. Anami Tonkin is here with me. Anami, thank you for coming to hang out with me. And by the way, brightening up the picture too, because we really need it. It got super dark here. Thanks, Nathan. It's great to see you. Well, it's good to see you too. And, um, you know, break the fourth wall a little bit here. We were chatting beforehand and I was complimenting your, that, the, the setup that you've got there. I mean, it's, I love the contrast of the yellow and the pink. It just kind of brightens up everything. So thanks for bringing the light to the, to the conversation today. <laughs> no problem. These are my favorite colors, but, um, yeah, it's sort of a, I do enough video recording that I have this just set up all the time. And so it's easy to flip on the lights and turn on the camera. Okay, well, you set me up perfectly here for a segue into what is going to be our first question. We're going to talk about brand position, as we do here a lot on the podcast, but you are also a podcast host. You talk about being on video. Anybody listening or watching who does normally will also realize we've got really good audio going on. This is because Anami happens to also be a podcast guest. I'm going to pop up your your website here, Anami, but will you just kind of intro that podcast um, just for our listeners in case they want to chime in or to listen in? Oh, sure. Um, So the podcast is called This Can't Be That Hard. And, um, you know, I know you talk a lot about brand position. I teach systems that uh, like smart systems that help photographers run profitable, sustainable businesses that they love. There you go. (laughs) It's perfect. Uh, You're you're right there. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, and and for everybody listening, so I I still have it pulled up on screen. Anybody that's listening to audio, of course, you can't see this, but you need to go to thiscan'tbethathard.com. Just like it sounds, very easy. We'll link to it in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. But uh, I mean, mean, this is is a prime example of a wonderful brand position statement. Um, You you talk about the market that you're serving, and you Mm -hmm. talk about how you do what you do differently, potentially, than those in the space, because there are a lot of photographers these days who are in the educational space. They're, they're doing workshops, they're offering courses online, they're hosting podcasts. It's nice to be able to create a little bit of clarity about how you are different from the rest of the, the crowd. And I'm curious, how did you, did it take a while to land on this brand position statement? Um, yeah, I mean, the, the business itself took a fair amount of time in, the, in its nascency, trying to figure out, you know, I feel like I have stuff to help people with, but, Mm. but what is it that I want to hone in on? And in photography, there's, there's so much great education out there about the art of photography. And what I felt like I had the best piece to contribute really was around the business side. Um, when I look around at, um, other photographers, I mean, I wouldn't say at this point, I'm 11 years into my business and I don't feel like I suffer from a lot of imposter syndrome about being a photographer and being a professional photographer. But I do look around and can very honestly say I'm not 
the best photographer out there. I'm not like blowing any minds with my work. I think it's really good. My clients mm. love it. I know I'm doing a good job, but um, but what I feel like has made my business really uh, work for 11 years and be profitable and all those kinds of things is putting in place really strong business systems. So mm. um, so I felt like that was the the thing to share. And and once I got really clear on that, I was able to to put that into language that I felt like conveyed it, you know, you, you try and convey what you're trying to convey in a short period of time. And, uh, and so that was, that was what that was all about. Well, and, and again, you've done that so brilliantly. And I have to highlight this for the sake of our listeners and viewers, helping photographers run profitable, sustainable businesses that they love. It, what is that? One, two, three, what, seven, eight words altogether. It takes all of them about three seconds to read. And, and the reason that I highlight this, and I mean, maybe you've heard me talk about this before, but I, I think in our photography industry, but certainly just in culture at large, we all know that attention spans tend to be pretty, pretty short. I mean, we see this in mm-hmm. our, our companies, our brands, the interactions on social media, people literally just, they, they literally look right at those words that we're sending them in an email or posting to Instagram or to Facebook. And they, they scan over them quickly enough that they don't see half of what's there. And then they ask a question or make a comment right underneath it. Um, that, is already answered right there in the text. That's, that's what we're dealing with. And we can talk all day long about why and why it shouldn't be that way. And, but it really, it it doesn't matter at the end of the day, because it just is what it is. And so the question Mm -hmm. then is how do we function within that? And you're doing a brilliant job. Now I have to have to transition from this brand here to your photography business as well. And I'm going to pull this up, um, over at megapixie.com. By the way, major shout out to a great URL, a short URL, something <laughs> memorable. I think that's brilliant. I'm, I'm a little bit of a nerd when it comes to, to finding URLs. In fact, I just bought four or five more this morning as well. But um, how did you come up with that, that business name and, and find that URL? You see my hair, right? <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Every year I talk to my accountant and I'm like, um, you're sure I can't write off my haircuts? Come on. This is a, this should be a write off at this point. Um, it. and I, and then on the other side, my hairdresser laughs and she's like, whatever. Cause of course, when you have short hair, you have to get a haircut every, you know, three months, less than three months. It's oh, like every nine yeah. weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's like, haha, you're locked in forever. So yeah, it was actually, I had just cut off all my hair and of course it didn't hurt that it was 2010 and, um, there were many more URLs available, but my name Anami Tonkin is hard to spell. It's hard to pronounce. It's hard to remember. Um, and so I wanted to make sure that I was doing something that was different. And it was like, I was reading an article about a camera thing, you know, some sort of camera related thing. And the term megapixel came up and I was like, Ooh, I'll do it this way. And so anyway, there, I have a love hate relationship with my brand name because I do get lots of people who are like, is this megapixel photography? Is your name mega? (laughs) And it's like, ah, no. But, you know, I'm stuck with it at this point and it works, it, you know, for all the reasons that you mentioned, it does work. A hundred percent it does. And, and I, again, we talked about this before we started or before we went live today, but I, I just want to highlight the fact that what we're going to talk about today, which again is a fascinating topic, how to create and manage a portrait membership for portrait clients. You, you're speaking from experience in this and it's important, I think, for all the photographers listening in to, to understand that you've got an active photography business and this is based on your experience. And just jumping back to your website here, when it comes to creating a brand position in the marketplace that you're in, how have you created that distinction for yourself amongst other photographers? Yeah. So I, you know, I feel like with your photography brand, it really, there's a bit of wayfinding to get there, but in this period of time, I have um, really settled into working primarily with busy professional families. So um, my brand position, I would say, is that, you know, I help busy professional families capture the joy and beauty in their everyday moments in a way that is streamlined, simple, and as stress-free as possible. Wow. And so when I am talking to people about their, you know, what they can expect from me, I probably put as much emphasis on the fact that like, yes, absolutely. You look at my portfolio. It's going to be, you're going to get great photos, but also I'm going to do that in a way where the only thing that you ever have to show up for is, or that has to be done on my time is that we are going to get together for a session, but everything else 
I send them, you know, videos to talk about this is how you navigate the the gallery that I'm going to be presenting to you. Or I send them video. I use video a lot these days. Um, yeah. I'm going to send you videos about how to uh, like what the different products are and how they, you know, this product is going to do this and this product is going to do that. Mm-hmm. I used to do in-person sales. Um and I learned a lot about what people know and what they don't know, what we think is intuitive and what is absolutely not intuitive for people who are not photographers. And so rather than doing all that in person these days, I'm busy. My clients are busy. I try and make it as like they they can basically learn all the stuff they need to learn when it's convenient for them on their time. They can pay everything online, all that sort of stuff. So that that's really what I, I try and uh, remind them of is that we're going to get this amazing, beautiful, very high touch product, but you're not going to have to, um, you know, live half your life with me to get it. Well, but if I'm honest with you, like I was, you had me immediately at portrait photography for busy professional families. I mean, that, Mm -hmm. that sums it up so simply and beautifully. And again, you're speaking to a very specific target market and you also, within just a few words, explain the value proposition that you bring to that potential client. And I, I mean, it, it, you really don't have to say anything else. I, it's, it gets brilliantly done. And, and oh, um, again, a good example for our listeners as well. When we talk about the significance of brand position, by the way, it's, it, for everybody listening in, it's not an end-all be-all. It's one of the pieces of the puzzle when it comes to marketing. But I, I, because there are so many photographers in the industry right now, it is a very, very busy space. It's a noisy world in general. There are a variety of things that we can do to stand out, and certainly messaging is one of those. And for potential clients who are landing on our website, if they don't immediately know within seconds what makes you different than somebody else, then there's opportunity lost. And that's a big part of why we talk about this so much on the podcast. Well, you know, I listen to your podcast as well as coming on here now. I'm very honored. But the... um, I know tons of people, when you talk about, uh, you know, what book has influenced you, talk about building a story brand. And anybody who's familiar with that book and his um, sort of the the way that he encourages people to build their websites will see very clearly that I kind of wireframed both of my websites based on that. And that he really did do a great job helping me clarify my brand, prop- or, you know, that getting to that language. So... Well, and that's um, a great start for anybody listening in. You, yeah. We've got that. Then, then he uh, came out with a book called Marketing Made Simple, Marketing Made which Simple, kind of yeah. builds on that. And very to your point, it gets even more practical when it comes to wireframing, building out your website, thinking about user experience and user flow. Mm-hmm. So good. I'm, I'm right now kind of slowly reading through Business Made Simple, um, yeah. which is, I guess, kind of the summation of all of it. Are I, you I doing lo- the day-by-day thing? I, I'm I'm not as a like a workbook. I'm I'm more just kind of mm-hmm. reading through it and highlighting the important principles. And ultimately, I, I I never want to consume information just for the sake of consuming information. I want to do something with it. So those things that make sense that I need to apply, um, I want to intentionally do that. But I'm not treating it as a workbook. Did you do that? Um, I I try to just in terms of like sometimes what happens if I sit down and read, you know, a lot of that stuff all at one time, you can only absorb so much. So I do like the idea of taking it piece by piece, not necessarily, I wasn't necessarily doing it on like every day, but um, I like the idea of, you know, you sit down with your cup of coffee in the morning, read through the idea. If -hmm. it makes sense for you, great. Mm -hmm. Like go do something with it. If it doesn't, you just have something, a point to ponder. It's like a good exercise. It is so good. Yeah. And he's, his writing style for anybody listening, who's not read Donald Mill, it's so easy. Um, yeah. It's extremely practical, I find. I mean, there's still a lot of filler, but not as much yeah. as, as many other business books that I found where it's like 20% value and 80% filler. Yeah. Uh, his, he has a much better ratio there. And have you ever read um, Scary Close, the book that he no. wrote on relationships? It's so funny because I, I guess I found Donald Miller through StoryBrand three years ago. And um, <laughs> then... I was going through my old Audible file and I had, I have Scary Close in there that okay. I had purchased for some other reason, but I never listened to it and yeah. it was just in there and I still haven't listened to it, but I'm, I'm excited to at some point. It's so good. I, I, I've mentioned this, I think on the podcast before, but my girlfriend, Jill and I, who actually produces the show as well, but she and I, yeah. when we were dating long distance, she lived a couple hours away 
one of the ways that we would connect was to, I would read to her, read, read to each other. So we'd get on FaceTime or just on the phone or whatever and just read to each other. And that was one of the books that we read together. And it was, it was wonderful. It was just one of those that like that. you, you want to curl up by a fire and, and with a cup of coffee or something and just read, you know, like it's, yeah. it has a very warming style of writing, especially in, in that particular book, but it's very easy to follow. We'll link to all these in the show notes for everybody listening in bocapodcast.com. We've mentioned Donald Miller a number of times on the podcast. So again, right. for our listeners, if you go to Boca, B-O-K-E-H, bookshelf.com, we've got a collection of the most popular books that have been shared here on the podcast, and uh, you can find Donald's work there. You know what? Let's just use that as a segue to, um, to your maybe best book recommendation based on your experience, self-help book or business book. What do you suggest? Well, I was like, I can't say that one. Everybody <laughs> says that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was thinking about that, and you know... Like there are a lot of business books out there and I have gotten good value from some of them. But when I think about you had put in that question, business or self-help books, mm-hmm. and I guess it's not technically a self-help book, but have you ever read Cheryl Strayed's um, Tiny Beautiful Things? No, I haven't. So when I was going through, I guess it was shortly after I was going through my divorce, mm. which is five years ago now, um, a friend sent me that book and it was so... It was like food for the soul. Um, it there. It's a so I don't know. Do you know who Cheryl Strait is? She's the one who wrote that book, Wild, um, okay. which was made into a movie. Anyway, she also has a podcast and a sell or a um, uh, like a what's the word like a um, help column, like Dear Anne or one okay. of those. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, she used to have it called Dear Sugar. Okay. And um and it was sort of like a love sex relationship thing. Mm-hmm. This all sounds crazy. I am telling you the book is incredible. It is just a series of her of these like questions that got written in and then her responses. Okay. And they are so poetic and they are so affirming and it was like exactly what I needed at that time and then I have gone back and reread it and um yeah, I recommend it to anybody and I feel like, you know, we're solopreneurs and like a self-help book or a, something that feeds you is also feeding your business. I think that the healthier we are as human beings, the better we're going to be able to serve our, it's like the, you know, put your oxygen mask on before you help other people. Um, and so, yeah. So when I was thinking about like, what book do I want to recommend? That's the one I wanted to put out there. Well, and, and I'm going to pull it up here on screen for anybody watching the live stream, but conversations on tiny, beautiful things. Is that, is that the one? Yep. Okay. By Cheryl Strayed. And of course, we'll link to this in the show notes as well. And you've really piqued my interest too. Um, so now I'm oh, going to I'm gonna have to get a copy of it. I keep, yeah. I have all, all of these guests on the show and I keep getting book recommendations and I keep buying more and more. And I'm like, okay, I, I need to actually get through all these books that I'm getting the recommendations for. But that actually looks really, really good. Okay. We'll link to yeah. that in the show notes. Let me ask you about customer experience. And I know we're going to talk about sure. something today that is very much tied to this. But if you were to sum up one of the big ideas that drive a great customer experience for your brand, whether it's for the photography facing brand or photographer facing brand, or for those clients um, of your photography business, what would that big idea be? Uh, That's super easy. And that's education, like hands down a, an educated client who knows what to expect next, who knows what's happening, who the only surprises that they come across in their experience with you are the positive surprises where you're like, Hey, I wanted to send you a special little treat or whatever. That is a happy client who will, who it builds trust. It, you know, you'll, they'll be happy to refer you. Um, and I would say that that's true. I mean, obviously I educate people in my other business, but I'm talking about like when someone pays money into my education business, I I want them to know exactly what they're getting, what the promise is, all that sort of stuff. And I want to deliver on that in a way that there are no surprises, like, except for the positive ones. So I feel like you had sort of mentioned this at the beginning of the conversation about how um, in order to educate people, or maybe it was even before we went live, but in order to educate someone, you have to you have to feel like you're repeating yourself over and over and over again. And I feel like people Mm -hmm. learn, some people learn by reading. Oh, Mm -hmm. it was on here because we were talking about the website. Like you think you answered that question and they ask it anyway. It's because plenty of people don't read, but Mm -hmm. some people read. Some people read really thoroughly. Some people want to watch a video. Some people need to hear it on the phone. Like I feel like you have to take the all, 
um, all axes approach <laughs> mm-hmm. to try and get uh, mm-hmm. to get your point across. And when you do that, and when you do it effectively, you will have great customer experience. I love that. And it's so funny that you're bringing this up because literally just, I don't know, two hours ago, not even that, Jill and I were talking about um, our onboarding process, particularly for Photographer's Edit, but certainly it relates to our other brands as well. And how could we refine our onboarding process? And the the key thing for me in my mind really always is expectations management. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. it ultimately centers around this idea of education and you really can't say too much. It's funny. We sent a, a newsletter out two days ago, I think it was, and it was just a video. I had recorded a video to our clients, just kind of updating them in the current busy season. And we didn't include any text-based bullet points. And somebody responded and said something to the effect of, hey, video doesn't really work for me. I, I want to, when I'm looking this in, in at bed, I guess next to their partner, they don't want to sure. wake that person up. They want to just be able to look through the bullet points. Video doesn't work for me. And, and so it's, a, I mean, it was a good reminder to your very point of the fact that we really have to be kind of all inclusive in our approach to education. And we certainly have to be proactive about it. It's, it's such a great reminder. Yeah. Yeah. I think if you can sort of hit all those um, different ways of communicating and ways of educating, not only are you going to be uh, meeting people where they are, the people who learn better in different ways, but you're also going to start being more accessible. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that that's something that we've all learned more about. Thankfully, mm-hmm. technology is on our side. We have things like closed captioning and we have things like automatic transcription services that can make it easy to give like creative video, but then have the written version available for people as well. So, um, yeah, it's a, I love continuing to learn about this stuff because it helps other people, but when they're helped, it helps us as well. It, like it's worth your time to invest in learning that 100%, stuff. 100%, yeah, full circle all the way. Um, speaking of time, talk to me a little bit about time management. What does that look like for you in, I guess, the effort to not get overwhelmed by business, get burnt out by business, still being able to live a life simultaneously? Is there a big idea driving that effort? Yeah, you're asking me this at the end of October. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Oh, yeah, I get that. Um, I am not perfect. I run two businesses. I have an 11-year-old and a 15-year-old. Um, I am a pseudo-single mom. I have a partner, but I am divorced. Um, yeah. And I, you know, I'm very busy. I use, um, I imperfectly use the Michael Hyatt's uh, Full Focus Planner. And I do like, okay. I mean, even though almost everything in my life is on digital and on the computer, I do like having a paper planner. Hmm. Um, and I like the concept of like a big three. If I can get three things accomplished today, yes. what are the three things that are going to move the ball forward? So mm-hmm. I do try and use that on a weekly and a daily basis, mm-hmm. but I don't do it perfectly. Um, the other thing that I have come to realize about myself is that I do like live and die by my calendar. So if I put days off on my calendar and protect them, then I tend to actually take them off. Um, I don't do it as often as I'd like. I'm trying to get there. (laughs) It's the slow, steady, you know, push toward always outsourcing as much as possible. But And does that outsourcing or delegation, whatever it might be in your business, administrative tasks, album design, um, editing or otherwise, is that something that you have implemented in your business? Have you had experience with that? Has it been good? Oh, yeah. Tons of outsourcing in my photography business in particular. it sort of started with my CRM, um, where that, that was, I start got started with a CRM, I don't know, six or seven years ago. And it, that was sort of the first instance where I wasn't actually physically doing every single thing in my business okay. where it was automated. And mm-hmm. I was like, Whoa, I got so much more done today just cause I didn't have to press the send button on this or whatever. And so yeah. that kind of opened my eyes. I mean, I've always had a bookkeeper accountant, but, um, Yeah. So the CRM and then now I outsource my editing. I have an editor. um, And uh, that's kind of it for my photography business, I guess. Although now with the two businesses, um, so I have some employees with my education business and I'm looking to I would actually like to get like a full time assistant who's doing communication stuff for both businesses. Mm, Yeah, that's the goal. I'm not there yet. I, but I hear you. It makes it makes such a difference. We've a photographer said it. We have a, a customer service team, and I feel super mm-hmm. lucky in that I don't have to handle every piece of communication coming in. It, I, I would just be so overwhelmed. And obviously, yeah, we're dealing with thousands of photographers over over time. It's 
Um, but even if, even in a photography business that might deal with say 20, 30, 40, 50, even hundred clients in a year, the idea of having to manage that all the time on top of everything we else have to, or everything else that we have to do is, is such an overwhelming thing. So absolutely yeah. any, anything that you can del or anybody listening in can delegate to your point, um, can make sense. And a if you can't, impact. yeah, if you can't justify the cost of a human being to hire like mm. step one and absolute baseline is that crm there's so much great stuff that can be done so either true. automated or near automated i think it's just a no-brainer yep absolutely well i, I want to just kind of transition to our kind of primary focus for today which is this concept yeah. of a portrait membership and it's honestly not something we've talked much about here on the podcast previously over 500 episodes. It's kind of crazy. So I'm glad that we're doing this today. And I, I'm particularly excited about it because I think it's a really interesting opportunity for our community to learn something that could add significant value to their business. Whether it's, you know, if they do a quick turnaround this season, sometime the rest mm -hmm. of the season going into the holidays, certainly planning for 2022. Um, and that is the idea of a portrait membership. And I mean, it may seem obvious to, to some or even most, but can you just start with a, a definition as you see it, as you've used it, what a portrait membership actually is? Sure. I mean, I think we all kind of know what a membership is generally, right? Um, we belong to memberships of every kind, whether it's mm -hmm. Netflix or any, you know, Amazon Prime. I'm like naming the big evil <laughs> overlords, but, sure. you know, everything down to like, I have my um, HVAC filters that I have to change in my house. Those are in a membership thing where they just mail them to me every three months. And I just joined, what's it called? Who Gives a Crap, which is the toilet paper membership thing. No Except way. They're really good. And it's all, um, it's all like uh, recycled paper. It's really nice toilet paper. It's great branding. <laughs> That's um, awesome. But anyway, yeah, yeah. So like, I love those kinds of things because they serve me, right? But the way that I have tried to create a membership in my own business and as a portrait membership is that, and now the way that I have helped other photographers leverage the power of the membership is to position it as a win-win solution that serves both the photographers who want more stability in their businesses and their clients. Um, and those clients could be people or businesses, mm -hmm. but anyone who wants or needs regularly updated images. So I'm a family photographer and my families, many of them, you know, over the years would call me and be like, oh, I meant we meant to call you last year. It would have been two or three years had elapsed. And they were like, we just got so busy and we were out of town and da, da, da. So I knew there was a need there. And of course, every year that they didn't hire me, that was <laughs> money that I wasn't making from them. So yeah. I was like, how can I put this together so that it doesn't fall off their radar? It's not difficult. And, um, and the membership idea kind of solves both of those problems. It gives you that recurring revenue. That's something that, that we're not used to. I think as photographers, a lot of times, wedding photographers, yeah. portrait photographers, the idea that you can plan on a certain amount, you know, every month, for example, we have busy right. seasons, we have less busy seasons, and then you have to budget accordingly. And it can be a bit challenging in that way. So even just that as a concept is, is especially appealing, I would say. Um, yeah. What is that? Can you talk a little bit about pricing? Like what is what does that membership look like for your clients? Or do you have tiers of, of uh, membership pricing? Yeah. So, well, let me back up and say the way that I um, sell my regular photography session. So the, the first time somebody reaches out to me, I have um, a system that some people know. It's called the simple sales system where it's kind of an, um, a hybrid in-person sales thing. And the way that it works, therefore, is that somebody pays a session fee. So okay. like a relatively low barrier to entry. Yep. It's enough that I'm sort of pre-qualifying them mm -hmm. and they've got some skin in the game, but mm -hmm. um, but it doesn't necessarily scare them off. But they are well-educated on what they're going to be potentially spending down the road. <laughs> so then we do our session and then they choose from um, one of three uh, collections and only the top collection includes a full set of digital files. So without getting into all the details on that, um, just know that in order to work with me normally and get all of your digital files, you would be purchasing the session fee and then my top collection. And just, and I, every time I talk about pricing, I'm a total open book and I'm happy to talk about my pricing, but I always like to remind people that pricing is 100% dependent on your business model, yeah. your, you know, what, you, all, all the different things, right? So point. anyway, so yep. for me, that's $1,800. Okay. What I then did when I created my membership was I made it so that, and 
memberships my the well I need to baseline say that the number one rule of a membership is you can't just let anybody come into your membership. You have to, it has to be an invitation only thing. It needs to be someone that you've worked with before. It's kind of like you would never walk up to somebody on the street and propose marriage to them. You might ask them out on a date. Totally great. But either party can then later say. (laughs) It's so fun. You should try it sometime. Weirdly, no one has ever proposed (laughs) to me without going out with me before. Um, So anyway, the, um, yeah, so, so it is, it needs to be an invitation only thing. Um, but the nice thing is that if you've gone on that date with someone, if someone has gone on that date with me, for instance, and they know that, that, um, in order to get all the digital files with me, they're going to spend $1,800. Then when that, because that is like well above what I need to make in order to be profitable, I can bring the price of the membership Mm below that and include all the digital files. So it's a big hook for them. And they're like, oh, yeah. So I think um, you're familiar with the term price anchoring where like Mm -hmm. you kind of have to know something to compare it to. Mm -hmm. Photography, one of the hardest things as a photographer when it comes to pricing or establishing value or all that is that photographer photographers price their stuff all over the place, right? And so if somebody's calling me and you and Susie down the street or whatever, they're getting three apples and oranges that like the prices are different. What's included is different. I like to use that initial session with a client, not only to sort of feel them out and make sure that I want to work with them going forward. And I think we're a good long-term fit, but also that, um, that they, they are anchored by my standard pricing and then when I am pitching them with my membership, it's a it's like a no brainer kind of an offer. Well, it gives you. I, I love the idea of having some flexibility built into that. You build enough margin in that you can make adjustments as necessary to to accommodate. Um, well, I mean the individual scenario that that might require yep. it, but even the potential of uh, do you in this? I guess in the context of this conversation, do you recommend? Have, giving discounts or running sales, or do you ever do that, or is that is that something you would shy away from? Like in general? In general, yeah. Because if you're building that kind of margin into your pricing and it gives you some flexibility, do you ever mm-hmm. run discounted uh, offerings in order to, to bring additional people in? Yeah. Um, so I don't generally discount to bring people in. But once I have worked with people, I'm more than happy to, like, again, once that anchor has been set where I want it set, um, and I know that they are qualified to hire me at my normal prices mm-hmm. or work with me at my normal prices, mm-hmm. then for sure. I mean, like the holidays are coming up and my clients, I'm, I'm, I'm all about making holiday sales and making lots sure. of money at the end of the year. It's just, it's all about being strategic about it. Um, when you're bringing new people in, the important thing is to show like that value proposition and how you are different from other people and how you're going to make their life easier and all those kinds of things. It's so tempting to be like, ta-da, here's the price break mm-hmm. for people. But um, you do kind of get yourself into trouble if that's your first initial in, uh, interaction with somebody is based on you being a bargain. Yes. Yeah. Great point. Yeah. I do. You, would you say that there are any, I mean, you've talked about the pros to this, this approach, this business model. Would you say mm-hmm. there are any potential drawbacks that photographers should consider before jumping in? There are potential drawbacks, um, but I think it really has to do with the way that you set it up. So um, I think the important thing, if you're interested in putting a membership offer together, is that you really think through um, the difference between a session, like a discrete session that you have with someone and bringing someone on as a member is that it's real easy. It's very easy to like get that scope creep or that... um, uh, you need to really well define what's included, what's involved. Okay. Um, and I have to say, so, scope creep is not a phrase that I'm used to hearing in the context of a, of a photography industry. So that, <laughs> that's well, pretty. And I think that, yeah, I think that that was when, so I, the backstory on how I first came up with this idea was mm-hmm. that I broke my ankle mm-hmm. and I had surgery and they were like, oh yeah, it's a short recovery, no big deal. And then I woke up and they were like, actually, just kidding. It was worse than we thought. And you're going to be off your foot for four months. And this was like 
pretty shortly after my divorce. So I'm mm. single momming it and I'm on crutches and I can't work. Yeah. Um, and thankfully it was in the like off season, but it was still close to four months where I was not, I had zero income and I was like, well, this isn't sustainable at all. Um, and I knew that, you know, obviously my ankle was going to heal, but like I could break my wrist. I could do this, that, and the other. Little did I know that a pandemic was on the horizon. <laughs> oh, um, but when I was recovering, I was thinking like, I need to, I need to stabilize this income. So, Hmm. so yeah, that was sort of part of it, but it took me from, so I had that surgery in December, was back to work by March and I introduced my membership in August. So that whole time I was considering like, what are the legal ramifications or not ramifications? It's different though, right? Working with someone on an ongoing contractual basis is different from doing a single session for someone or photographing a wedding or something like that. So I had to work with my lawyer on that. Um, There's some tech differences, right? Like I needed to set up a recurring payment system, which isn't complicated, but like there's a lot to consider. And you talk about apples and oranges. I mean, there's like, you can just pay a single time fee for a thing or you could sign up for a service. And, you know, so I was doing a lot of comparison for that. Um, So when you say, are there any cons? I think if you think it through all the way to the end, um, you can avoid 99% of the cons. The, um, The thing that's difficult, of course, is that once you start a membership and you make kind of a commitment to your members, like this is what the terms are, you have to be confident enough to um, to maintain those terms and to stick to those terms for the long haul. So okay. the only thing that I would say, I, I think it's a great model. And as long as your clients, I mean, obviously you're not going to do like recurring wedding photos, <laughs> but you could do anniversary Hopefully. photos or family <laughs> yeah. photos. Um, the, you know, I, a lot of my students these days are bringing in commercial work for that. So like brand brands that need ongoing social media um, content and things like that. There's There are great ways to do sort of a subscription or a membership-based model for that. It's all good. As long as you think it through all the way to, you know, to the end, um, then I recommend it wholeheartedly. It has been, I have made a couple of tweaks since I first launched, okay. but it has been, um, it has been, it has become the cornerstone of my business. It's now better than 50%. It's about 60% of my photography income is from my membership. It comes in on a monthly basis. I know exactly how much I'm going to be making every single month. Um, and I can space out my work the way that I want to, like the way that I schedule it is done well in advance. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I just do my very best to, because I love these clients, right? Like I've invited all of them in. They're my people. They know exactly how to work with me. They know what they're getting. They're always happy. And, um, and it's, yeah, I, it really does feel like a win-win. I don't, I, I would recommend it highly to anybody who fits that um, sort of business track. Well, and, and so let's talk about how anybody listening in, if, if they're like, okay, this, this is really appealing to me. I'm really curious how to get started. Yeah. What are, and you've already alluded to them a little bit, but let's talk just a little bit about kind of the initial steps that a photographer would take in order to begin to put a system like this in place. What would those be? Yeah. So number one is like plan, 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 figure out like all the different things and how this is going to work for you. And you would put your own hat on and be like, what do I need from this? What are my goals? And then what are my clients' goals? Um, what are what are the things that are A, going to entice them to join? Like, what, what do they really want from me? Um, how can I package that up in a way that's manageable? What are the sort of special benefits that I can add in that I maybe don't give to my regular clients? So one of the things that um, that I don't normally do is mini sessions. So you can't if somebody calls me and says, "Are you doing holiday mini sessions?" The answer is no. Um, okay. However, my members, I still don't do like the whole mini session song and dance, but my members have the ability, it's not included in their membership, but they have the ability at any time to add on a mini session. And it's a one-off mini session. I'll go, you know, shoot a half an hour of their kid's birthday session, or they have a new puppy or their grandparents are in town or whatever like that. 
Um, they pay a flat rate, rate. It includes all the digital files. And I just like show up, shoot for a half an hour, and then send them their photos. So it's really easy for me. And typically, that wouldn't be a profitable thing for me because it's not enough money to sort of, you know, warrant me doing a whole session. However, sure. because there's almost no education or communication needed other than them calling me and saying, hey, are you available? Um, I've already got their gallery set up. I just have to, like, send off the photos. And um, and also, they're already paying me every month. So if I sort of mentally loop that mini session in with their main session for that year, it's highly profitable. So I, I, I love, I'm going to go back to the thing that you said, which I think is really important, whether it's this business model or any other business model that a photographer is putting in place, which is be clear about what it is that you want. I, that's such a, and it, it's easy to say that and kind of glaze over, but I think a lot of photographers, and I can speak from personal experience having run a photography business myself, a lot of photographers go into business not being clear about what it is that they want. And so the yeah. model that they create is just this kind of, I'll take a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Maybe I'll try that and do a little bit of this. And it's very haphazard and random and they may get some results from it, but it's certainly not to the optimum as far as what they could accomplish. So being really clear about that, I think it's interesting for two reasons. One, because it will drive better time management and better profitability. But, mm -hmm. but the other thing is interesting is it gives the photographer, even within this idea, this model of a portrait membership, it gives the photographer the ability to customize the experience based on what it is that they're specifically trying to achieve. Is, does that sound right? Absolutely. And, you know, I think when we start out as photographers, nobody knows exactly what they want um, or what they're going to be best at. You know, if you had asked me 11 years ago, to give you a brand position, who knows what I would have said? Like it yeah. would have been totally, I'm sure it would have been totally different from what it turns out to be. Mm. And that's okay. You can't know, not only do you, should, do you not, should you not feel like you have to know, you, you can't know at the beginning. You do have to do a bit of trying. What gets dangerous and what I see being really problematic is that so many photographers, it's like that inertia where they start doing something and then they realize they don't like it, but like people are hiring them for that. And there's that cycle of, well, if I stop doing this, then what? And I'm, you know, I just need money. Mm -hmm. And it turns into this thing where they start to resent the work that they're doing, mm -hmm. which is like the opposite of why anybody goes into business for themselves. So, you know, back to the brand position thing, when I came up with that, um, a lot of people talk about profitability and sustainability in business, but I wanted very specifically to put on that profitable, sustainable businesses that you love at the end of that, because I think it's really important to, profit is important, 100%. Sustainability is very important for all the reasons, but loving what you do, like there is no reason to kill yourself for <laughs> what is not an insane income for most people yeah, um, yeah. doing something that doesn't light you up. And I think that you really do have to be intentional, intentional about coming back over and over again to like, how am, you know, how am I setting this up? How am I doing this? Um, and that's where I think business, everybody, business gets such a bad rap in this industry. Like, Oh, I hate business. I hate having to think about all this stuff. And, yeah. um, we can be as creative in the business side of our business as we are with our art. And if you are, and if you think about like, what is it that I love about this? What do I, what do my clients love about this? What makes them happy? What's me, what makes me happy? You can really build a business that is, um, it, it is that like unicorn of, I get to love what I do for the long haul. Mm -hmm. Well, I think what gets missed a lot of times is that the business conversation comes up. A photographer internally, consciously or subconsciously, they, they automatically say, well, I'm not a business person. I'm an artist. And so they kind of check out. And the reality Shut is... Shut the door. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And the reality is that they aren't mutually exclusive. That You can actually not learn how to run a, a solid business. And then it does mm -hmm. do exactly what you're talking about, which is to give that individual the freedom to be the artist. When they're constantly yeah. worried about all these different moving elements of running a business because they haven't intentionally put the right systems in place and designed the business model that they want to run. It actually inhibits creativity. I know that when I'm in high stress level, whether it's personally or professionally, yeah. I, creatively, I suck. I mean, it's terrible. It's terrible. Right. But if I'm, sure. if I'm in the right space mentally, because the other stuff is taken care of, Oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. It's like rocket fuel. I just, I can, I can go crazy with it. And, and so I think, 
And I'm a pretty emotional guy, by the way. I, I can think logically, but I'm also super emotional. So I can speak from both perspectives. And I think you just yeah. make a great point that, that the two can coexist. And not only can, it, can they coexist, but it actually enables a really powerful business. It does. Um, I absolutely believe that. And I think that that, you know, you hit the nail on the head. It is systems that allow us to, I once heard somebody describe it as um, uh, sometimes when we're so busy pedaling the bicycle and the car pulls up alongside and says, do you want to ride? And your brain says, in order to get in the car, I have to stop pedaling the bicycle. I'm going to lose speed. I'm going to lose whatever. And setting up a system is kind of like that, where you say, I don't have time. I'm just doing it the way that I'm doing it. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. But if you will take the time to like, okay, let's reevaluate and figure mm-hmm. out what we're doing, get off the bicycle and get in the car. Now you can go 60 miles an hour. So it's uh, it, it really can. And then, gosh, you get there a whole lot faster when it comes to the art and doing the stuff that, that you want to do. So true. And it starts with planning. Okay, so that would be the first that the first number one rule, the most important step is is the significance of planning. Now, I, I know that you mentioned earlier both the, the legal piece and the tech piece, that these mm-hmm. are slightly different than just your normal portrait session or maybe your, your wedding or event that you're photographing. Mm-hmm. Can you comment on, on both of those briefly? Sure. I mean, the legal piece is really as simple as I, <laughs> I'm not a lawyer, nor do I play one on TV. So let's not pretend like I can give legal advice. But <laughs> okay, um, other than to contact your lawyer, but the um, there is I, there are some things to think about, about the fact that, like, for instance, one of the questions that comes up a lot with my students is, OK, if somebody is going to be paying me monthly and they get a session every year, what is how does that work if they stop paying me, but I've already shot the session? Like, how does that? And Mm. all of that has to be put into a contract. And Mm -hmm. the short answer from my perspective is, no, no, they, yes, it's divided up into monthly payments, but when they sign up for your membership, they are committing to at least a year at a time of the, um, of being part of your membership. And so that needs to be spelled out really clearly in your, in your contract. That's probably the biggest one that comes up as a question, but there are some other pieces to it um, in terms of what, you know, your deliverables are and all that sort of stuff. We always need to have good legal protection. Um, In terms of the tech, the big one is really the self-scheduling or no, is really the um, automated billing piece. I highly recommend that people set it up so that, you know, their client doesn't have to enter payment every month and they don't have to get an invoice every month or anything like that. It just goes on their credit card statement like so many other things that we sign up for. Um, And it makes it easier for them. And it also isn't like punishing them every month with an email being like, you just spent another $150. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Like they signed up for it. They know they're doing that. Uh, The other tech piece I was going to say was Um, self-scheduling. So I, one of the benefits that I give to my members is that they have early access to my calendar. And so um, twice a year, I open up my calendar to my members, and they get to self schedule a, um, a their session. Mm-hmm. And it just works really well for them. But it works really well for me, because of course, when I open my calendar to them, it is open with just the places that I want to have yep. sessions on the books. So um, and are you doing that so with yeah. your CRM? Or are you d- using a different piece of software? Some of my, yeah. So some CRMs can manage that I um, mine does not. So I use Calendly. Love it. Love yeah. it. Use it. Have for years. The amount of time that that software has saved me for it's the, great. what is it? $10 a month is just yeah. mind blowing. And, and sure. this is, goes back to your point earlier, which is whether it's a CRM or a piece of software like Calendly, literally, in fact, what I've told photographers is if you look at what you do in a day, we talk about the, the significance of delegation, ultimately saving time. Automation can play a role in saving time as well. Look at what you do, literally everything that you do in a day, and do a Google search on every one of those things. I mean, almost personally and professionally, you could either find a service or a piece of software at this point in time that will probably do that job for you for little to no money in many cases. It's, yeah. it's mind-blowing, but not enough photographers are taking advantage of those, those solutions. And I think in part to what we talked about earlier, it's that apprehension of, oh, I got to set this thing up in order to do it. And I just don't quote unquote have time to set yeah. it up. So they don't set it up and then they continue to run inefficiently. It's it, these kinds of tools are incredible. And if you just make a little bit of an effort to, to look for them, they're, they're there readily available. They don't cost us a lot and we can put those systems in place and ultimately save a ton of time, not only so that we can have a life outside of work, but also so we can focus on the stuff 
in our work that we enjoy and that ultimately makes us more money. I think it's brilliant. Well, you know, you think about how much time you spend and ultimately really waste on uh tasks that can either be automated or that you could pay somebody eight, $10 an hour to do. Mm-hmm. And when you think about how, you know, if we sort of step into our roles as the CEO of our business, it's like, if I'm sitting here trying to, I don't know, um, what are one of these many ridiculous tasks, uh, create an Instagram graphic in Canva, mm-hmm. and I'm not a graphic designer, that's not my job. Mm-hmm. Um, is this, am I being a CEO? Like, would does... Do, do the CEOs of businesses, is this what they're doing? And obviously, like, you have to translate that a little bit because, of course, we don't run big corporations. We don't have marketing right. teams and all that sort of stuff. Right. But to a certain degree, I think it is important to kind of always be thinking about, like, what's the next thing? What's the thing that's taking up the most time in my business that's not really moving the needle? Like, yes, I have to create these graphics, but, like, do I have to create these? Or I... I should change that to say, I need to have these graphics, but do I need to make them? If somebody else made them, would that sink the the point of having them? Mm-hmm. And I, I think that... No, yeah. please, I didn't mean to interrupt. Please keep going. I was just going to say, I think that it's it's very easy to tell yourself like, no, no, I don't need to hire somebody or I don't need to come up with some sort of software solution. It's going to be a pain in the butt. It's going to cost me money. Um but that can ultimately, over the course of time, waste so much time and energy. It can. And um, you know, this is an interesting conversation. I, I, I'm mentioning my girlfriend a lot today, but Jill and I had this conversation. She actually came over to our company from the education space. She was in that for years mm-hmm. and years. And so her perspective about not only photography, and, but, but also entrepreneurship, and even this idea mm-hmm. of being the CEO of a, of a company that photographers like to tout these days is... Um, it's kind of a foreign concept to her. And, and Mm -hmm. one of the things that, that she really shone a light on for me and just kind of getting a fresh perspective was it's not, it's not about like, it's, it is fun. I I say I'm a CEO of a company because I actually am. I have a team and and partners and and whatnot. But um, at the end of the day, we can, we can have this title. It doesn't negate the need at times to put our head down and get some busy work done. Yeah. The, The difference, I guess where the, the, where the conversation shifts a little bit is do we want to, just work hard for the sake of working hard, or do we want to work intelligently so that we can not only be more profitable, have the space to be creative and potentially to even shoot more, but also, also to have a life. And, and yeah. I think that's what it is. It's, it's going back to that idea of planning that you were talking about, which is to be intentional about what it is that you're trying to create, what you want to accomplish that is with the business, but also with your time and ultimately your, your personal life. Have that as kind of the top end, the 30,000 foot goal, and then work backwards from that to figure out how you can create that thing. And part of that is figuring out ways that you can delegate and automate and ultimately get rid of some of the, the work that, yes, somebody else is going to do for you and that needs to be acknowledged, but ultimately frees you up to focus on stuff that will drive your business forward more efficiently and uh, create a life that's just more enjoyable as an entrepreneur. I, I don't want to spend 60, 80 hours a week constantly doing a bunch of work that, that could be delegated. Um, I think right. it's good for everybody to be considering that. Well, and um, I'm just going to bring this up because it's fresh on my mind. And I think you've had Coley James on your podcast yes. before. Mm-hmm. She's a good friend of mine. She, um, I was recently talking to her about how do you know what when it's time to change something or how do you know mm. when it's time to like look hard at evaluate something. And she was talking about uh, you, this, the first signal that you'll give yourself is that you procrastinate on doing that thing. And I was like, yep, a hundred percent. That's brilliant. It's like, whether you're, you know, you know, you should be balancing your books or doing your, you know, I don't even know what it's called. Cause I've out, outsourced accounting and bookkeeping for, for so long, <laughs> but, um, but, uh, reconciling, that's what it is. You should be yeah. reconciling your accounts. Um, if you're, like me at the very, very beginning of my business where I would be like, I'm going to do it every week. And then it would take me three months. And then I would have this giant stack of work to do. If you're procrastinate, if you routinely procrastinate on a particular thing, like social media or uh, editing or, you know, you name it, some things get done because they have deadlines. Like you have to edit your client's work because you have to deliver it within a certain frame time frame. But if you find yourself um, waiting until the last minute to do it every time, that's a sign that like, maybe this is what you need to look at next. And this is the next thing that you need to hand off. 
Hmm. Yeah. Speaking of Coley, actually, I, I just pulled this up. We had Coley James on the podcast back in episode 444. We talked about CRMs, get booked with these, and of course, the efficiency associated with that. Um, but Anami, I actually was just looking at, um, and let me oops, hit the wrong button there. I was just, I, I had pulled up this episode, I guess it was just yesterday of yours yep. where, you, where you hosted Coley, business brainstorming with Coley James. And we'll link to this episode in the show notes at com. Again, for everybody listening in or watching, you can get a taste of um, Anami doing her thing, being the host of, of her own podcast. You've got, you've got such a great presence about you, and you have the coolest background yet. So um, <laughs> that, if that's not reason enough. It's so pink sing- seamless paper. You guys can have this too. I'm going to have to upgrade. My, my skin tone looks like I've been drinking all morning. Like It's got this really hard, <laughs> hard red tone to it. This, the lighting here is terrible today. I'm, I'm upping oh. my game after our conversation today for sure. Um, I, before we go, we've got just a few minutes here. I, I want sure. to, to kind of pivot from what it takes to get started to what it takes to actively run a portrait membership. I know that you were telling me before we got started today that there are kind of three key ideas there that are driving a healthy portrait membership. Will you share those with our listeners? Sure. I think we kind of talked about them a little bit, but with um, the portrait membership um, and sort of the maintenance piece of the portrait membership, you know, obviously communication is a big one. And when people are working with you over the course of the year, um, you want to continue to just touch base with them. You're going to have your session with them. Um, I like to build in a couple of other opportunities over the course of the year to kind of pamper my members and give them those reminders of why it's so great to be a member. Um, And then, of course, there's the annual time when it's time for them to renew. Mm -hmm. Um, So all of those times you want to build in good communication and and good um, just you want it to feel great for them is the bottom line. Like you want them to feel like I'm part of this thing. It's almost like it's a they're on a, a team or they're part of, you know, they feel that community piece of the membership. Yeah. And that's not like, I'm not like putting them all together in a room, but I, I do talk a lot about how I talk openly to them about how much it means to that, to me that they are, you know, part of my membership. Yeah, so absolutely. There's that there is, um, you know, and these are all different things that you have to evaluate based on your business and all that. When I invite people into my membership, I do lock their pricing in. Um, so as long as they stay a member and that does encourage them to kind of stick with it because the prices do go up over time. Um, and I, again, I caution people <laughs> both from a setting your parameters and setting your membership up in a certain way, but also pricing your membership in a certain way. Um, if you aren't really clear on your numbers and you know for sure that the way that your pricing is set up is profitable, you want to get that in line before you invite someone into an ongoing kind of a thing. It's one thing to have one unprofitable session, but then the next time it's not, uh, it's another thing to lock that in for any period of time. Um, So anyway, so I do, you know, I encourage people to stick around because their prices are locked in. I have their galleries open all the time so they can just go in there um, and I run sales periodically. So, you know, I do make um, additional print sales from those people. But then, yeah, I just look for ways to sort of pamper them and keep them uh, enjoying their experience of membership and loving the fact that every year they have updated family photos. Well, and I know this is a loaded topic. We've only had so much time to kind of get into it today. Um, I, I want to just take this this second here to give you an opportunity to share a little bit more. In fact, I'm going to pull up your your website at thiscan'tbethathard.com. Uh, By the way, I'm Anami is not asking me to do this. I, I just I have a lot of respect for what you've built, Anami, and and I I want oh, our listeners and, and viewers to be able to have a chance to to get a little bit more. So you've got the podcast and I've, I pulled it up here on screen for anybody who's listening to the audio version. If you go to this can't be that hard.com, scroll down a little bit. Um, and we've got the podcast and link to simple sales revenue on repeat. Can you talk a little bit about the education that you offer that builds on what we were talking about today? Sure. So revenue on repeat is the course that I teach. That is the, teaches people about how to set up a membership. So, um, so that's what that is. And that's pretty straightforward. Most, I would say, you know, if somebody is meeting me for the first time here today and they want to kind of learn more, the podcast is a good way to do that. Um, but my signature system that I teach is actually the simple sales system, which I think I mentioned a little bit earlier. Um, and that is a, uh, it's kind of the way that I bring clients in 
Uh, it's everything from that first experience all the way through to when I am hopefully inviting them into my membership. Um, but it manages all of the sales and everything else. And it's in a very systematized way. Um, and I took that many of the lessons of that come from my years as an in-person sales, um, person. And what I did was I turned that into a more automated, uh, streamlined process so that I could make the same kind of in-person sales money without having to do all of the high touch stuff. So I do teach that um, on my website. If you go there, there's a free masterclass that you can sign up for to learn more about that. Cool. Yeah. And this can't yeah. be hard. I've got that up there on screen, but this can't be that hard.com for those of you literally listening to the audio version of this. I really appreciate you making time to do this today and kind of, I mean, we covered the gamut and you've got so much. Yeah, to offer. it was a and, great conversation. Well, I hope our listeners will take advantage of the resources that, that you've made uh, available. This can't be that hard.com. This can't be that hard on Instagram as well. Correct. It's actually, this can't be that. This can't be that. Oh, that that's right. Yeah. I put that hard, but yeah, you're absolutely right. In fact, I'll pull up on screen okay. here real quick for everybody just so you can see this, but yeah, this can't be that. It, it is kind of brilliant, actually. I, I kind of wanted to ask you even about that. This can't be that. We'll put that in the show notes, bocapodcast.com. And um, Anami, I, I really appreciate this. Thank you for making time to share with all of our community today. It was my pleasure. I really appreciate you bringing me on.